From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. This week, we get to meet someone that I've only known via social media and a couple of phone interviews promoting the different events that I've been a part of. This week's guest is Denise Baron Unland, features editor at the Joliet Herald News. She's also an author, a blogger, and co-founder of Write on Joliet. You'll find all those links in our show notes, and we'll get to hear all about the many projects that Denise is involved with here in just a moment. Now, here at Gifts of Glory, we strive to produce quality projects and entertainment like Well-Versed Comedy, Pure Fest, and hopefully you'll agree that this podcast fits in with that goal. Now, if you like what we're doing and you want to help us get better, help us grow, and help our ministry grow into the nonprofit status that we're envisioning, would you consider supporting us through Patreon? You can find us at www.patreon.com slash gifts for glory. That's patreon.com slash gifts, the number four, glory, and become a monthly patron to help Gifts for Glory Ministries grow and do more for God's glory. That's patreon.com slash gifts for glory. Uh, you also find that link in our show notes as well. And as we've been doing here in the uh, second season of the Gift Circle Glory podcast, one of the things that I kind of neglected to do in the uh, beginning stages, uh, trying to find my legs underneath me in the podcasting world, is yeah, we're highlighting Christians that are they're telling their testimony and everything, but I wanted to include, and I continue to include now, a Devotions with Dave segment. Uh, Devotions with Dave is the segment that carries over from our old Ha Ha Men and Ha 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 Men podcast uh, with myself, Ryan McChesney, and uh, going way back with Ken Lebinski. So uh, that was kind of our uh, little nickname for the segment, and I decided to keep it. So here is our Devotions with Dave segment. We're going to read from Psalm 19, verse 14. Uh, And this one is a very important verse for me as an improviser, as a comedian, as somebody that spends a lot of time in front of people. Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Again, that's, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And for me, when we take the stage with well-versed comedy, when I ever do improv with anybody else, that verse sticks with me because I want not only the words of my mouth when I go up on stage and create something to honor God, to glorify God, to bring honor and glory to my faith, um, not to me, but to the faith and to who I have the faith in. I want those words to be pleasing to God. I want the meditations of my heart to also be pleasing to God. So in, in that verse, of course, uh, it applies to much, 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 much more than, than improv or performing or even giving a message on a Sunday morning. And that should be a prayer that we all consider. 
Um, because you know Jesus was said told us in the New Testament that it's not necessarily what goes in but what comes out that defiles you and so if you are focusing on making sure that the words of your mouth and the meditations of your heart are pleasing to God then you won't be defiling yourself and you won't be hurting your ability to witness and your ability to minister to others so I just want to leave you with that verse this week may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart uh, which means the thoughts the things that my heart carries the the things that my my mind and my heart consider and think about and focus on uh, very similar to uh, Philippians 4 8 in that kind of uh, a context but again may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you O Lord my rock and my Redeemer Psalm nineteen fourteen, and reading that out of the New Living Translation so I hope that you will spend the next week and, and even more considering what are the meditations of your heart what are the words of your mouth? Because they do carry value. And you have to determine what value are they going to hold. Are they going to hold earthly value where it passes away? Or are they going to hold kingdom value where you bring people closer to God and closer to Jesus and those that don't know Jesus closer to salvation and eternal life? So just focus on that this week. And I hope that this Devotions with Dave segment uh, will uh, uplift you and encourage you this week. Now, let's get on to our interview. Uh, Denise has really been awesome the last few years as I've uh, come to know her through social media and, and as I said, the uh, phone interviews. She's helped us get, a, get the word out uh, about products like the Delwood Block Party a few years ago, uh, as well as Pure Fest, uh, Welvers Comedy when we filmed in uh, uh, Lockport this past summer. So the different things that, that that we've been doing in the Lockport and surrounding areas that Bobby and I have been involved with, Denise has been one of those that's run our press releases, done the interviews. So I've only known her professionally uh, through those interviews. I wanted to get to know a little bit more about her. So I wanted to bring her in. So we brought her here to the church, uh, here at Crosspoint Church, uh, recorded this interview. It was a really fun interview, really great interview to get to know the person kind of behind all these different projects, like Ride on Joliet, um, the the features editor at the Joliet uh, Herald News. So we get to hear about that, hear about her blog and all those sort of things, and all that and more uh, here on the Gifts for Glory podcast. So check it out. Uh, this is the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts for God's glory. Here's our interview with Denise M. Baron Unland, features editor at the Joliet Herald News, and we're also talking about the big event coming up this Friday, Crest Hill, Illinois, at the Book Market on Plainfield Road. So be sure to enjoy this interview and hope to see you Friday at the event at Book Market starting at 6 o'clock. So here's our interview. No more intro. Here we go. And we are now joined by Denise Baron Unland. She is currently the features editor for the Joliet Herald News. Uh, she also writes a blog for the Brioni series. Am I pronouncing it right? Brioni? Brioni series. Brioni. Okay. So first mistake, 15 seconds in. Uh, I'll try to do better for the rest of the podcast. Uh, but uh, you write a blog. You also uh, are, are you the leader of Write on Juliet? I am a co-leader and co-founder. All right. Perfect. And you've got a big event coming up. Uh, we want to plug that first off uh, for Write on Juliet. Coming up on the 15th, it's a third annual anthology release at uh, at the Book Market in Crest Hill. Um, so let's dive right in. Tell us about uh, this third annual anthology release going on uh, this Friday. 
Uh, well, Right on Joliet has been around since 2012, and three years ago, we, we self-published our first anthology of, of works by members. There's essays, there's novel excerpts, there's, there's poetry, and every year we celebrate the release with a party over at the book market. There will be chef-created uh, appetizers and desserts because I have a couple of kids who are chefs, and there will be uh, books for sale, uh, members' individual works, as well as the anthology. And it's an after-hours event, so the uh, Janet Staley, who is the owner of the book market, very graciously stays open for us once a year, and um, we have a nice reception. Everybody is welcome. And as we talked before we went on uh, the podcast to record, um, the book market is right there on Plainfield Road, um, right before you get to Walgreens, if you're heading out of Crest Hill. And it's one of the places where, true confession, I pass by, but I continually mean to go in. So next Friday, or actually this Friday, as we're releasing this podcast, uh, this Friday evening would be a great time. And what time was it starting? Uh, 6 o'clock till about 8.30. to 8.30. Perfect. All right. So that's not the only thing you do. You're a very busy person. You write for the Juliet uh, Herald News uh, you've got your own blog. Uh, you handle just a lot of things uh, to help promote things within the community. Um, so uh, tell us about what your day-to-day kind of looks like. What my day-to-day looks like? <laughs> um, well, uh, I, I get up and feed my cats and put on some coffee and come back upstairs and sign onto the computer to check email and, and schedule social media. Uh, but being a Christian, the first thing I type after my password is a Bible verse. And mm-hmm. that's usually Holy Spirit-led, whatever comes into my mind that morning, and, and that's what I share. Uh, and then I greet people on the Joliet Connect page, which is the official uh, Facebook group for the Herald News, mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a cup of coffee and a good morning. So mm-hmm. there's a photo of a coffee. And then I do the same thing on my uh, Bryony Series Facebook page. So I'm drinking coffee, so I always post a coffee picture <laughs> and a good morning. And that's one of the most impressive things that, and the things I appreciate about you is every morning there's, uh, there's Denise and you've got a new verse up, a new scripture. Now, is this actually typed out or are you copying and pasting, uh, to post those? In the beginning, I was typing them mm-hmm. out because I was, I don't know, afraid of internet police or something, you know, <laughs> this was back in 2009, mm-hmm. but generally it's a, it's a copy and paste yeah. mostly because I want it to be correct. Right. Especially when you're posting publicly the word of God, you want to make sure that you're not misspelling and, you know, people are like, who, who's Jeevas or whatever. I don't know. I, I couldn't think of a good example right then. So. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it's really refreshing to see that in the morning feed, you know, get up and, you know, everybody does it. They look at their phone or whatever and they're trying to see what they might have missed in the seven hours or eight hours they were asleep. And, and there's Denise. She's got a new scripture each day and, and it's, it's one of the good things about social media is we're able to use it for good if we want to. Agreed. Agreed. It's a tool like anything else. You know, you had people when, when television came out and you know, this is a terrible thing, uh, but it's it's really a tool. It's a tool for communication and it can be, it's it's the person behind it, really. It's just, it's just uh, social media itself is neutral, I think. And outside of the Lord, just looking at the things you're involved with, Outside of the Lord, the next thing that your life revolves around is writing, uh, because you've got the blog, you're, you're in the newspaper, 
You're also an author. You've uh, released uh, several books, it uh, looks like, on your website. Uh, quite a few. You've got uh, some novels as well as looks like some children's books as well. Uh, that's true. But, you know, actually, uh, first is God and then and then my family. So just a quick plug for mm -hmm. them. I have six children wow. and I have three stepchildren. And I have, oh, I hate to get that number wrong, but I think all told, if you were to count step-grandchildren and grand, maybe 14. Wow. And the youngest ones, I'm actually pen pals with them. So I have like nine children that I regularly send something to every month. So that's even more important to me than writing. And when you say pen pals, are, are is it actually pen or more like emails back and forth? Oh, no, it's physical so that wow. they can get something in the mailbox. Uh, one of my daughter-in-laws in Mizan says that her boys love mail day. They don't know when something's going to appear, but it's something in the mailbox for them. Wow. And that is such a lost art these days is the actual pen to paper, getting the stamp and mailing it out. Uh, so few people actually do that anymore that it's... It's a very nice surprise, uh, especially as an adult, when you get that instead of another bill in the mail. Well, as, as you said, you know, I'm very busy. Mm -hmm. I have a, a grandson in North Carolina. I have grandchildren in Morris and Mazan, and it's very difficult to see them. And when they're very little, they wouldn't necessarily remember me from visit to visit. Mm -hmm. So it's like the social media example. It was a way to build a connection. And I could Skype that, but when they get something physical in the mail and, and there's some, and they have to open it and, and someone has to read it to them and maybe it's stickers they can put somewhere or something mm -hmm. to hang on the wall or a picture to color and send back to me, it, it, I think it, it builds more of a connection than just, you know, saying, Hey, grandma sent this picture. Wow. That is, and again, it's just, it's so cool because when I was a kid, I would get uh, letters occasionally from my dad's aunt and uncle. Uh, they'd send letters or they'd send, you know, birthday cards and such. And it was always such a treat. And it's actually a lot more connecting than, like you said, any electronic means. Because an email or, or even a Skype, it, there's a screen there. But when it's a piece of paper that you've written, there's almost like it, I, you know, not to sound mystical or whatever, but it's like there's a, an essence, there's a connection because there's effort and, and everything put into it. Um, yeah, but social media does some of that too. Where you're saying that every morning, you know, I, I'm still there. Mm -hmm. It takes an effort to, if it's maybe perhaps a day I'm, I'm not working, I'm still going to sign on and I'm still going to put the Bible verse because someone may need to see it. I'm still going to greet people on those two pages because, you know, just, it's, it's just a day brightener. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's the best tool for connecting with that community of people. So I do it. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, uh, I know I got it wrong in the beginning, the Bryony? Bryony. It's Bryony series. Bryony. Uh, so tell, tell us about the Bryony series. Uh, uh, the first book uh, is kind of like the launching pad for everything else, uh, based on what I saw on your website. You know, so um, so not to sound maybe too dark here, but I do like vampire stories. Mm -hmm. And we're talking pre-Twilight. Uh, I think it's partly comes from the fact that I, I do have a sense of the supernatural and the sense of God and that kind of thing and, and, and afterlife. And it makes me think about those things. And for whatever reason, so I've always liked those type of stories. But I don't want to say it like it has a, a, a moral, but I, I'm not one of those that likes to call uh, evil good or good evil. So, mm -hmm. so those those lines are, are pretty strict. 
And years ago, I had an idea uh, for a young adult vampire story. I thought it was a one and done. And it was too big of a story for one book, and it ended up just creating more books. And, and you're correct. There's a, there's a red herring who appears in one novel, and, and it's a mouse. And he's a crocheted mouse, and I forgot to bring him too. So Aww. Bertrand's going to be very angry. But he has six <laughs> books of his own right now, and he's had a he's had a few little friends. Uh, uh, I've done some school visits with that because he's had some some children that have liked him. I have a chapter book for um, third, maybe to seventh grade. Uh, some of the books are a little harder, some of them a little easier. But it's about a supernatural sleuth who travels around in a, a motorhome solving supernatural mysteries. And then I have the, the Young Adult Vampire Trilogy. And then I have something, and I'm really proud of it because it was an eight-year project. I wrote a prequel to the trilogy, and it's an examination, really. It's a very literature, almost 19th century type literature, and it was, uh, but it's on, on how four people destroy their lives. And hmm. it's, it's that slow, kind of almost insidious way of making a wrong choice here and something just a little off to the side here, and pretty soon you wind up where you don't want to be. And, you know, I think good can be that way, too. You make a series of good choices here, there, and, and you know, you, we either develop ourselves, I think, from the inside out or we destroy ourselves. And so that's, yeah. And we see that all the time in the news where somebody will, will have a fall, but you know that the fall didn't start with the big mistake. It started with the small Exactly. The, the one compromise, the the second compromise, and then suddenly, oh, well, no one's going to notice this one. And so, you know, that's a very interesting uh, topic is to really look at how the fall happens. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, um, you know, going back, I guess, to being a Christian, you know, when you talk about being... Uh, uh, made in the image of God, and and you think of God as Creator, and you know if, if you believe in that, we're you know called to be co-creators of God, and He gives mm -hmm. us that free will. So we do work with God to create ourselves. Now, how we do that, and what we kind of end up with, you know, He, um, you know, He guides us, but He's not going to get in our way either if we choose something else. And and so it was kind of a, an examination of that without reading heavy. It's still a novel. Mm -hmm. And that uh, kicked off everything because you've got uh, the blog. And the blog is kind of a combination of uh, updates of what's going on as well as, uh, uh, I think, some, some personal things that you share. So tell us about uh, your blog a little bit. Well, the, the, the reason for the blog is, is kind of a, a funny one. When I was working on the first book back in, in 2008, 2009, things I was reading was that authors should have blogs. Hmm. And my daughter, uh, Sarah, was creating my website. And I was like, what's this blogging thing? I mean, it looks kind of like online diaries. I don't want to do that. And so she researched that and, and she said, well, it's just kind of a way of keeping people updated what you're doing. I was like, who cares what I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> and she actually was the one who created a list of topics. She says you could talk about the book. You could talk about topics related to the book. You could talk about you as a writer. You could share a little bit about your family. So I've done all of those things, and I've blogged nearly every day pretty consistently since 2010. Uh, and that's a, a wealth of information, if nothing else, to pass on to this extended amount of generations that are following you because you said you got 14-some uh total grandkids and so you've got all this history that they can look back on and say oh look what grandma went through or what she had to say and so i think that if nothing else that you're you're passing on that 
a little bit of that through legacy through the blog. Oh, I didn't even think of it. That's good insight. Thank you. <laughs> oh, no problem. I always try to sound deep and intelligent. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that worked for me. Yeah, your son is here, and I have yet to make him crack a smile. So I'm going to get that done by the end of the show. <laughs> you just did. All right. Um, so if somebody wanted, you know, if we piqued somebody's interest and they wanted to check out the books, uh, what's the best way to find them? Are they at uh, the book market or? Uh, do, do they order them online? What's the best way? Um, they are at the book market, or uh, you can check out the, the website, which is being updated by another son, and that's, uh, I'll, I'll tell it and then I'll spell it. It's bryanyseries.com, B-R-Y-O-N-Y series.com. Okay, and we will also have that linked in the notes um, uh, for the show, um, so you can find that very easily. Also, we'll have the link to... Uh, right on Juliet.com, the the big uh, third annual anthology release coming up this Friday at the Book Market in Crest Hill. So now let's go backwards. Let's find out a little bit about you growing up and uh, hear about your journey of faith. Uh, because as we've laid out, you're, you're very strong in your faith. Uh, you share it every morning. But how did you get there? Where did um, you, How did your faith walk develop? Well, I have always had the sense of a presence of God. And I can't remember a time when I didn't recognize that he was there. Uh, I didn't always necessarily have a, a super developed faith. I just knew he was there. Uh, I went to Catholic grade school. I attended Catholic churches. One of my first acts of rebellion at 14 is I quit going to church <laughs> because it was boring. But also, I didn't have a lot of examples of really faith-filled people who mm -hmm. were uh, living that out. Uh, I knew people believed, but uh, I, I'm not going to say people were hypocritical. I don't mean that. I was just starting to explore, I guess, other things. At, at 14, I was reading about other denominations. I was mm -hmm. reading about other religions. I read about non-Christian religions, I be and, and I found those things very interesting. And not until after my first son was born in 1982 did I return to the church. And I think I was starting to get some examples just from other mothers I've met, mm -hmm. other uh, things I've read, connecting with mothers just through books and, and their parenting styles. And their father was, he belonged to a Byzantine Catholic church and it had a rich family history and it was unlike anything I had ever seen. And I made a decision on Christmas Eve at Christmas Eve mass with my parents and he, and Christopher was nine months old that I was going to go back. I was going mm -hmm. to, you know, kind of explore this and, and see where that led. And that was 1982. And I've just been building on that ever since. Wow. What have you found has been maybe the biggest challenge to your faith or have you seen a lot of challenges? I think there's always challenges to anything, mm -hmm. to any relationship. So, um, I, I don't know if there's been anything that's, that's a big challenge to, to, I mean, I, I've not ever doubted God or, mm -hmm. or, or not, um, felt that he wasn't there. Uh, I just think that life has challenges, mm -hmm. um, and, and there's all kinds of those. So I don't think there's just been one looming one or anything that made me say, oh, I'm done with you now or anything like that. And where in uh, in your life did writing become prominent? Was it uh, very young or was it more later? When did uh, you really start to 
dive into the world of writing? I think for as long as I can write. You know, someone in our writers group posted a blog today about why do you write, and, and he listed some of the common reasons. And I interviewed um, uh, Beverly Holt today. She's a local organist, and she's uh, very talented. And I asked her that question, too, as far as, you know, why, why she plays. And she said, I think it's just it's part of me. And I've always loved stories. I, I grew up being uh, my father reading to me. I remember being excited the first book I could read by myself. Uh, perhaps the fact that I had really bad asthma and, and couldn't go out and play as often. I read more and enjoyed stories and wanted to write my own. I, I, I can't even think of a time really when I have not been writing something. How has uh, uh, faith in God uh, played a part in your writing? Have you done much that's been inspired by that, or does it just work as a filter in what you write about? I think the way that might play into that, you know, I knew you were going to ask me that question and I had a memory, so I'm just going to divert a little bit. Sure. Um, there was a, um, there was, there was an ex monk, uh, when I belonged to the Byzantine Catholic Church. And let's see, I, he was probably about 60 when I was 30, uh, was when we became friends. And he adopted, um, uh, a new doctor of the church. Her name was Edith Stein. And, uh, I'm not going to like share her backstory, but, you know, she had all these different writings and he shared that. And he seemed to think that I was going to write something wonderful and significant someday. And I was barely writing letters to the editor. I had mm -hmm. four children and was homeschooling and, and wasn't, you know, my correspondence was with relatives. And, and so that memory, but, but I think that, you know, I'm not sure what he had in mind with being significant, but to answer, I guess, your question, with my faith and with writing, and I think that also ties into journalism, you want to write what's true, mm -hmm. even if it's fiction. You want to stay uh, true to the people you're interviewing. You want to stay true to the information. You want to stay true to conveying the inform you know, the message, what people, you know, uh, want the community to know. Uh, you don't want to certainly knowingly write something that's false. I mean, I see a typo and I'm, I'm like correcting that online because it's mm -hmm. just wrong. I mean, you don't want to do that in print. Uh, and I feel the same way towards my fiction. I want to tell the story that's true. I want the characters to be true. I, I, I don't want to write something that's false. I hope you're enjoying this conversation as much as I did recording it. So much more to share in just a minute. So I don't know how much time you spend on social media or watching the news or browsing news websites, but this world is full of bad news. Sometimes it's downright ugly. We need distractions. We need something that's uplifting. That's what Wellverse Comedy is all about. Wellverse Comedy is clean, family-friendly comedy, reaches across generations, across socioeconomic boundaries. We're about bringing people together and sharing the joy and the hope of laughter. So whether you have an outreach event, a birthday party, youth lock-in, conferences, corporate event, date night event, whatever the case may be, let us bring that clean, family-friendly comedy to you. All of our shows are 100% original. They're one-of-a-kind because our show is your show. The audience drives it through suggestion and participation, so every show is completely unique and guaranteed to bring laughter and memories for everybody involved. So let us come down and craft a show with your audience information at wellversecomedy.com that's wellversecomedy.com or email us improv at wellversecomedy.com more of the gifts of glory podcast coming right up as we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts talents and passions 
to honor and glorify God. New Extra Charge Hot and Iced Coffee from Dunkin' is made with 20% extra caffeine from green coffee extract because we could all use a little extra this year. Whether that's an extra boost, some extra boldness, or the drive to go the extra mile, we're extra ready for whatever comes our way and extra excited to take it on. Let's get it done with a medium extra charged coffee from Dunkin' for $2 with 20% more caffeine. And pair it with snackable stuffed bagel minis for an added all-day boost. Order ahead on the Dunkin' app. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. You don't want to certainly knowingly write something that's false. I mean, I see a typo and I'm, I'm like correcting that online because it's just wrong. I mean, you don't want to do that in print. Uh, and I feel the same way towards my fiction. I want to tell the story that's true. I want the characters to be true. I, I, I don't want to write something that's false. When did you get into professional writing as far as uh, working for the newspapers? I know you started it, it looked like you uh, started as a freelance and then kind of worked your way up to the uh, features editor now at the Joliet Herald. Um, that's a little bit of a, um, not probably a typical path. So I, I had three goals when I was younger that I felt God wanted me to do. One was be married. One was raise a large family. The other was to write. And I, I wasn't sure what that meant. Mm-hmm. Um, at 18, I wasn't writing. I wasn't married. I didn't want to go to college. College had been my mother's dream. And, and she took me to the university, what's now the University of St. Francis, looked through the programs and signed me up for journalism. So this mm. is writing, you're going to go write. So I was a journalism major. I, I didn't finish um, because I did end up getting married and then was sick. And, and But that summer that I was getting married, I had an internship at the Herald News. And I was covering some meetings, uh, the village of Rockdale and mm-hmm. New Lenox School Board. And I was assigned one feature story, Martin Mudrock and his wooden planters in New Lenox. <laughs> that I loved. I, I, I was not very good at covering the board meetings. Uh, I, I could not get any more features work. And, and at the end of the internship, you know, I was married and then I was expecting and then I was sick. And so I stopped school. I stopped work and, and settled into raising a family. Fast forward to 1997, I did a few seminars on homeschooling at some Barnes and Noble. Hmm. And Dave Haas, who was the opinion page editor at the time, heard about those and invited me on to WJOL. He had a radio show at the time to discuss homeschooling. And that went well enough. He had me back two more times. He asked me to write some columns for him before common sense was a thing. And the following year, I was a single parent and um, I was recommended for some freelancing. Wow. And so I did that I, by the, from 98 to 2000, the end of 2013. And I freelanced for several publications. I built that up. And then from freelancing, you uh, kind of worked your way up into uh, the features editing? Or how did that come Well, about? what happened is, so during the time I was freelancing for the Herald News, uh, Copley owned the Herald News, and then the Sun-Times owned the Herald News. And at the end of 2013, the Sun-Times sold it to Shaw Media. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, I think the Herald News maybe had like five staff in the newsroom at that point. And so Shaw Media ran a big ad. Uh, one of the reporters uh, called me up and said, 
look at this position for a features editor that's or f pretty much what you're doing as a freelance, you should apply for that job. Mm. And I thought me and 40,000 other out-of-work journalists, right. but, but I did apply. I, I was invited into interview, and um, a couple of weeks after that, I was <laughs> sitting in a new desk chair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it, you had your foot in the door. People knew you already there, so it probably helped give you the leg up, maybe. And and also, obviously, God had a hand in it. I really love features. I was very, mm -hmm. um, I was very happy to be doing that. And honestly, some of that was was shrinking. And I had made the decision at at Christmas to, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll keep a couple of of clients and I'll, I'll look for something else. Mm -hmm. And I remember, um, you know, just actually you talk about God just saying, well, gosh, you've we've taken this away, taken this away, taken this away. It was kind of a real tough time in our life. It's like, now it looks like you're taking my livelihood away too. You must be making room for something else. And mm -hmm. I really said that there was that kind of trust. I had no idea what that was supposed to be. And I don't know, maybe it was one of those, it's like, well, let's, if you're willing to give it all up, maybe I'll just hand it right back to you. That's, that's awesome. And that, that is a step of faith and, and a statement of faith that a lot of people struggle with is they want to hold on to what they know so hard that they're not willing to let it go for God to replace it with something better. And sometimes he has to drag us kicking and screaming to where he has us planned or has a plan for us. Yeah, and I don't think it was necessarily that at all because, uh, you know, when I came in and, and we started the training, the person who trained me said 80% of this job is going to be what you're already doing. So um, he says the other 20% will show you. Nice. Yeah. It's always nice to step into something you already know. Yeah, yeah. a little bit, yeah. All right, so moving forward, uh, you're, uh, you work for the newspaper and then – you started the newspaper uh, as the editor what year? He says 20... January 15, 2014. Oh. So at this point, you've already had your first book out for a while. I did. We had one, two, and the cookbook, which is actually a fundraiser for Big Brothers Big Sisters. And the third was ready to go. And then all of this happened. And I was busy with a, another project I was doing for hospice as well. And so we delayed that publication almost uh, almost a year. Wow. Just yeah, just trying to acclimate to other things. So a few years before uh, the first uh, book comes out, how how ner uh, unnerving was it, or were you nervous at all with when the book went to print? How, how did how did you feel when you finally get the book sent off to the to the printers? You know, it was um, it was probably more surreal. The story had lived in my head since 1985. And I don't know how to explain what that's like when you're holding your thoughts in your hands. It's become mm -hmm. kind of a physical thing. Um, that's about the only way I can describe that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was just, it had lived in my head so long. It was, um, and then when it lives in your computer, it still seems kind of not real. You print it out. It's, it's just things that you do. You know, you do that with homework. Mm -hmm. But to actually hold the book that someone had illustrated, and we worked together on that, and we had a, we had a bit of a team, and we still have a team behind it, to, and to hold that and to see that physically, as you were saying before, you know, that, that tangible piece of paper, that was a little surreal. I, I can only imagine because not to, like, there's a million people like, oh, I've got some great book ideas, but... I've always been, I guess, maybe afraid of, of failing in writing, and so I've never actually written it. But I fail I, every day in writing. You're going to fail. There is no such. I, I I can't believe there is any writer 
who just writes things down and they're brilliant. Uh, the first thing I tell anybody who wants to write is you have to get uh, comfortable with the fact that you're not a very good writer. No one's a very good writer. I'm not a very good writer. I have to work to to be a good writer. The first draft of anything is not very good, um, and it's it's it just isn't. Mm-hmm. And and there's writer's block, and I write on deadline, so there almost isn't any room for it. And I I have a quote above um, uh, at work. And I'm not going to say it exactly, but it's just, you know, you just, just write the, the water won't flow till you turn on the faucet. So if I mm. really can't get going, I'll start with an outbox. I'll start with a quote. I'll start somewhere and, and build the story out. Um, but you have to get comfortable with the fact you're not very good. Wow. <laughs> that actually uh, kind of answers, and we'll, we'll touch on a little bit more. At the end of every interview, I ask, what's your wise counsel for somebody who wants to get in? So we'll have you elaborate on that a little bit more as we uh, get towards the end um, but that that's actually excellent advice um, I just I just can only imagine kind of the joy it's almost like a child being born being able to hold I can imagine your first book completed bound illustrated and ready is that a, a good analogy like holding a child or um. <laughs> As I'm looking at <laughs> said youngest child. No, it's just it's just different. Mm-hmm. I missed my first story. I remember the first story I wrote as a freelancer and I'm looking in the paper for it and I'm flipping through it and I was like, Oh, well I I guess it didn't run today and I, I left to go do something and I came back and my daughter is all excited about the story. Mm-hmm. I said, it's not there. She said, you left it open to the page. She said, I thought you wanted us all to see it. I was like, what are you talking about? It took up three quarters of a page. It wow. was with a big photo that you know a staff reporter had taken. It was I was looking for this little, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I missed it. Wow. And there's probably a scriptural, you know, a, a, a biblical lesson is that sometimes you're looking for the wrong thing. You're looking for something small when God had something so much bigger for you. Exactly. So, yeah. Again, I, I try to sound smart and deep, and I think I, I pulled it off right then. You did. You did. <laughs> very well done. But thank you very much. So, uh, as I mentioned before we went on the air, one of the things I do is uh, the interrogation, seven quick questions, just to kind of get to know you on the way out. Uh, most of them are softballs, but... Uh, couple that might be a little bit uh, more challenging, not again, not to um, put you on the spot, but just to kind of get to know you a little bit better as we go, uh, as we end the interview. So are you ready? As my mother used to say, Denise, you have an answer for everything. So let's see if that's <laughs> true. <laughs> All right. So first question, what publication would your dream be to have your work published? The Herald News. And I mean that absolutely seriously. So. Wow. So you're living the dream. Um, there is, uh, I grew up reading the Herald News, mm-hmm. and uh, I remember writing for when, when Jan Larson was a regional editor, and she had told me that, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, writers would use the Herald News as a stepping stone, you know, to kind of go on to bigger and better things, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I remember thinking, what's wrong with getting good and staying right in your community? Hmm. And so that was my goal, and I'm still working towards it. But I'm in the community, and, and so I'm halfway there. That, that is awesome. What's your favorite place to write? Um, at my home computer. I will actually sometimes have like a write at home day and mm-hmm. kind of do um, assembly line style writing uh, because for whatever reason, that is where I, I do my best writing in front of my home computer. In, yep. Home computer, coffee in hand. 
Um, yep, or sometimes water bottle or sometimes nothing, <laughs> but yeah, right there and with a cat on the lap. So There you go. Um, what topic or genre scares you when you when it comes time to write? Uh, hard news. Hard news. I'm I'm not very good at that. Um, I've I've had to do that sometimes as an on-call editor. Um, uh, there's not that there isn't legal aspects with writing fiction. You know, of course, you, need, you have to be careful of libel and things like that, and and you know, inaccuracy. But there's other things that come particular with that that I'm I'm just um, it, it's just not my best skill. And and you know, you would hate to make that kind of a mistake. And by hard news, you're meaning like normal, straight up news, not necessarily like it, the yeah, bad crime news. and things okay. like that. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what piece, fiction or nonfiction, have you hidden or wish you could hide from all human eyes? Is there a piece that you don't want people to read? Only if it's only meant for somebody else. If mm -hmm. it's something that's private and it's really not anybody's business, but no. Okay. Because I know in high school I probably wrote something that I'm like, I hope nobody ever finds that in my mom's files. No, I think that if you, you know, if you're writing all the time, again, you get used to the fact that, I mean, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's part of the process is to write something terrible. Yeah. Um, outside of uh, the above question, uh, is there anything that you wish you could change about your life? No. <laughs> a very good place to be yeah All right. uh question number six what's the favorite feature piece you've ever written usually the one i'm currently writing i i don't have one in my mind i think that stands out more than the rest uh, what i like about features i think is the same thing i like about fiction i really like people i like getting to know them i like engaging with them i like you know writing their stories you know, people say, well, you should write your memoir sometimes. Like, that's boring. I live in my <laughs> head. I don't, I don't need to, to write that, you know? Um, so the one at hand. All right. Uh, bonus question on that one. What is the feat? What's the next story that you're writing that's coming out? Um, well, I interviewed several of them and I'm going to be working on them all on Tuesday. So I have several of them that I'm working on. So there isn't just, I mean, some of it's going to be just looking at which one's going to be maybe the more complicated or time consuming. And I'll mm -hmm. start with the hardest and go to the easiest. So, I mean, yeah, it isn't just one I'm working on. Um, you know, there's usually eight, nine, 10 that are published a week. So, wow. Busy, busy person. All right, so the final question I have for you on the interrogation, who outside of Jesus or God, living or dead, would you most want to write about? Again, that would be, have to be the person at hand. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, um, there isn't, I don't have a wish list in, in that sense. Okay. Yeah, very good. So I told you it wasn't that hard. See? You did have an answer for everything. So, yeah, that's uh, what my mother says. So mama knows best. <laughs> All right, uh, so as we wrap up, uh, we kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but if there's somebody listening that wants to be a writer, that wants to get into writing fiction, nonfiction, or even journalism, what would your wise counsel be for them? Join Write on Joliet. We are a dues-paying <laughs> group. Um, it's $50 a year, and all of that money stays into the group. Um, we actually had uh, three different speakers. We throw a really awesome Christmas party. Uh, lots of great advice, uh, both me and my co uh, co-worker, uh, co-leader Tom Hernandez. Um, we both are professional writers. So I think we bring maybe a different element to the group 
than uh, some other writers groups. But I mean, we also have a lot of talented writers. I mean, we can have sometimes up to 20 people at a meeting. So you'll get a variety of feedback. Uh, that would be advice number one. And advice number two is just write. Write uh, uh, and, and you know, just read about writing, read about structure, read about revision, read about world building, um, read about, or, I mean, if you want to write nonfiction, read about nonfiction. Um, just, but, but you have to do it. Uh, until you have something, it's like building a Lego castle. I mean, you've got the directions and it's not going to look like that right away. Or maybe you've got the castle in your head. And what do you do? You, you, you put a few Legos together. You, you don't like the way it looks. You tear some down. Writing's the same way. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. Um, you know, how many times do people say, well, I picked up this book by Random House and we found typos, you know, and, mm. or, you know, or, or Simon or whoever, you know, and so all the, it's not going to be perfect. All you can do is just is just write and and look to where you can revise so that your message is as clear as possible. Very nice. Well, Denise, I thank you so much for coming on uh, to talk about writing and uh, to talk about uh, Write on Joliet as well as the uh, third annual anthology release. Uh, the anthology release is basically all the people with Write on putting their work together into one book? Is that how it's set up? Yeah, you know what? And not um, everybody necessarily contributes to mm. every anthology. Um, I think we have about 15 different writers that are in this one. There is no theme. It's it's always called Right Where We Are. Mm. And um, it's, it's whatever people want to write about or submit or share. And that release party is coming up uh, this Friday, 6 to 8.30 at the book market on Plainfield Road and Crest Hill. Uh, right there near the uh, the Walgreens by the Six Corners. Uh, so be out there. Um, is there a cost to get in? There is no cost to get in. There's only a cost if you want to buy a book. The food is free. It's free admission. It's free to talk to us. Except maybe me. There might be a fee. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, my check to you is in the mail. All so. right. Thank you. <laughs> so uh, Denise M. Baron unland uh, author, uh, features editor of Juliet Herald News, uh, a blogger, uh, a now former uh, homeschool teacher. Yes. Um, any uh, interest in homeschooling the grandkids? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, Denise, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll have the links to the blog as well as the uh, the website and also uh, Ride on Joliet uh, in the, uh, the show notes. And also to the Herald News because that is where primarily where you are going to find me. Um, I, I, you know, if I had to let any of it go, I would, you know, I, I would let the blog go before I would let, you know, the Herald News. So that's important. So please put that link in there. Oh, absolutely. We'll get the uh, Herald News linked uh, because that's how we connected. Uh, we connected about three years ago for the uh, um, the B Delwood Block Party. We did an uh, interview together where you uh, uh, asked about our comedy team and because uh, mm -hmm. we were performing there at the Block Party uh, a few years ago. and. And that's when I started stalking you on Facebook and I added you as a friend and got to see scripture every day, 365. And it's, uh, it's really refreshing when people are sharing like that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, Denise M. Baron Unlin, author, and find her next fr or this Friday, actually, at uh, the book market. And uh, thank you so much for listening to the Gistrick Warrior Podcast. We'll see you next week. Xfinity is breaking the gig barrier with Wi-Fi speeds over a gig. It's more than enough speed to power all your devices. Introducing gig Wi-Fi, new from Xfinity. 
Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today. Restrictions apply.